Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 50, verses 4 through 9a. The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher, that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Morning by morning he wakens, wakens my ear to listen as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He, he who vindicates me is near. Who will contend me? Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who are my adversaries? Let them confront me. It is the Lord God who helps me, who will declare me guilty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Emily, nice job. Thank you, everybody. It would be okay if you wanted to say thank you to the junior leaders as they are headed back to their seats. So it's Palm Sunday and it's Kids Sunday, and, I, and I've wrestled all week with, with what to do with this passage of Scripture because it is a difficult passage of Scripture, and, and frankly, it's a difficult day. And uh, whenever we have Kids Sunday, um, I'm aware of it, I'm cognizant of it, and, and probably it, it changes some of the things that, that I will say, just having all the kids in the, in the room. I will tell you this today. This is a hard sermon, and, and we're going to experience it all together with kids in the room today. Um, I told you we had a lot of work today, a lot of work to do today. The uh, liturgy of the, pa- of the palms we have already undertaken. That was the whole palm branches and all of that, and, we, and you did it beautifully, by the way. It was great. I'm always amazed at how many little bitty people we have around here. Now we're on to the liturgy of the passion, and this is the point at which I guess you can say we we kick off this most difficult week in the Christian calendar. Now what makes this week so difficult? What is it about um, Palm Sunday and Holy Week that is so difficult? Well, a couple of things. We remember, we work very hard to remember the kind of week our Savior had the same week so many thousands of years ago now, there was some pain and agony attached to it. Beyond that, during this week, we ask ourselves a very difficult question. People of all ages, we ask ourselves a very difficult question, and here it is. Is there anything in me or about me that is anything like those people so long ago who had the capacity on one day to scream Hosanna and on another day scream crucify him. Is there anything in me, in you, in us, is there anything in us 
that is anything like those people so long ago who heard good news. Can we agree that Jesus was about good news and the announcement of the gospel that we so regularly call good news? Can we agree on that? Just raise your hand if you can agree with me on that. Okay, all right, that's, that's good enough. How is it that we are anything like the people who heard good news but interpreted it as bad news? In fact, we did a little bit of this last week. I want to do a little bit more of it this week. I'm, I want you to talk to me a little bit. When is good news experienced as bad news? Very simple question, maybe the only one we discuss. Think about that for a second. How can good news be bad news? Anybody, anybody, and again, I won't hesitate to call on you. Aaron? When our perspective is such that we don't recognize it as good news. Absolutely. Somebody else. When is good news bad news? Did you have an answer? Yeah. Uh, it can be when somebody is bringing you the news and they bring it like in a bad way. So bringing good news but bringing it in a bad way. Yeah. Got it. Somebody else. When is good news received and interpreted as bad news? Yes, sir. When you're on the losing side. Keith just said, when your wife said, that's fine. <laughs> Is your wife here today? Yeah. Uh, strangely enough, Keith's wife is not here today. So, <laughs> yeah, Doug. Okay, good news, when announced, can be interpreted as bad news when it doesn't line up with our agenda. Let's diagnose the people present at the giant parade, right? And I'm not sure how big the parade was. The more I read about it, the more I think about it, it may have been a smallish parade, but it was a parade. There was this guy on a donkey, right? And there were other people who were laying their cloaks down in front of this donkey, a sign that they understood that there was some royalty passing through, passing by. There were also these palm branches that had all kinds of religious and political significance. They were hailing this one as king, believing that he was bringing this great news, not just good news, but great news. And then a few days later, some of these exact same people would scream, crucify him. Why did they switch their messages? Come on, let's diagnose here a little bit. Don't make me call on Aaron Bowler Jack again. He'll get tired of it. <laughs> what happened to them? He didn't deliver. Jesus didn't deliver on the good news as they insisted that it be defined. Somebody else. Peer pressure and self-interest. Yes. The expectations were dramatically different. They had these certain expectations. This is a good one, and we're going we're gonna to end on that one, actually. They had these expectations when they went to the parade armed with cloaks and palm branches. When those expectations aren't met, Jesus himself was in trouble with them. Let me ask this question again. Is there anything in you or in me or in us 
that in any way is anything like the people so long ago. Here's another way to ask the same question. How have you defined good news? And have you so tightly defined good news that when the good news comes and it seems like it's for somebody else, so much so that it it feels like bad news to you, how have you responded? Jesus came bringing good news. It, It just didn't work out all that well for him, right? So just because you're bringing the gospel or bringing good news, that does not mean it's going to be a comfortable thing, correct? <laughs> our, our reading today from Isaiah chapter 50, here's somebody else who is hearing from God when this prophet's lips are moving, when Isaiah's lips are moving, he is speaking what he has heard from God, but it is not well received. Good news that it might be for somebody, it is not well received and he pays a very personal price. Have you ever paid any kind of price for bringing the gospel message? Have I? Have we paid any kind of price for bringing the gospel message? Sometimes the good news is a hard message. I am uh, following the the Twitter feed of a... uh, of a, an outfit called uh, Tweets Like a Kid, and, and they actually uh, tweet like a kid, and actually, here, here are some of the messages that I've seen here recently. Just to underscore my point here, and here's my point, kids sometimes get away with delivering hard messages. They just sort of get away with it. Kids can be seriously challenging truth tellers, and somehow they just get away with it because they're kids, right? Now, here are some that are, that are kind of fun. I, I think you'll like these. This one says, just to give you some idea of what we're about here, I'm afraid of a talking banana. Well, sure. You can say that as a young Andrew, but if you say that at 40-some-odd, <laughs> here's the next one. Dear God, if you let the dinosaur go extinct, we, if you hadn't let the dinosaur go extinct, we would not have a country. You did the right thing. <laughs> Oh, here's a good one. I met a new friend named Sarah. We became friends because I kicked her in the face and said sorry. (laughs) Again, again, we kind of just take that from a kid, but if Walt Crow had said that, (laughs) not quite the same. Imagine that you lived at the same time as Abraham Lincoln. What would you say to him or ask him? I'd tell him not to go to a play ever. (laughs) (laughs) pretty good okay it starts to get into the the bearer of bad news kind of thing Um, from Delandrin to Crystal I'm breaking up with you happy anniversary though one month (laughs) here's another one oh this is hard dear dad I'm so glad that me and Isaac are staying with you. Me and Isaac miss you. I hope you and mom will get back together, but you and mom won't because mom does not like you. (laughs) Oh. See, kids can get away with bearing bad news. Typically, 
kids, when they are the bearers of hard news, a hard message, typically kids don't have to pay a significant price for it because they're kids. Though I understand the Christian message as good news, I recognize at the very same time that it can also be hard news. And because of all of the things that you've already said about expectations, about the way that good news interpreted or defined, I understand it like this. Sometimes the bearer of the hard message that still fits in the larger category of good news because it's the gospel message, sometimes that person, that messenger pays a dear price because the good news is received by the people in power, typically, as bad news. My question for us is, which side are we on? There was a uh, demonstration not too long ago and more. Um, you probably know this. This is Westboro Baptist Church. They're on that side of the street. And on this side of the street, you have people who hate Westboro Baptist Church. You can turn the sound down a little bit, Drew. There are people on this side. Now, they had shown up to protest at a funeral. They always do this. And, and hear me, hear me, hear me. Westboro Baptist Church was absolutely in the wrong. Absolutely in the wrong. I think, I think if I had been there that day and more, I would have been on this side of the street and not on the Westboro Baptist side of the street. Amen? Anybody else want to go with me? Okay. Now, what happens is this giant crowd from Moore, they gather on this side of the street, and slowly but surely, people start to walk over toward the Westboro Baptist Church. Now, the police department is doing a great job trying as best they can to stem the tide, but more and more and more, and this guy thinks a stood-up bicycle is just horrifying, right? They're trying to do the best they can, but slowly but surely, a little bit at a time, you can see the tide turn. And now, though the policemen are doing the best they can, more and more people are trying to make it across the street, so much so that finally the Westboro Baptist Church people all climb into their vans and they run off and there's great rejoicing, right? Now, hear this. I'm using this as an analogy, but I'm going to flip it. Ready? I would never want to find myself on the same side of really any issue with the folks from Westboro Baptist Church, never ever. But I want to use this as an example to ask us this question. Are we committed enough to the gospel message as it was communicated and embodied by Jesus? Are we committed enough that we would risk voicing that message even if it was not well received by the culture at large. Let's say that we found some issue. We found some issue that was so deeply important to us that we thought, man, we need to show up signs in hand and we need to say, this is the gospel. And though it may be hard news, we understand it as good news and we will be on this side of the street demonstrating. And what if though we have found that very important message, what if that same message was so distasteful to the culture at large that they showed up on the other side of the street? Are we committed enough to the gospel message that we will risk being the messengers? Well, 
what in the world are you talking about, John? What, what possibly could we believe so deeply that we would risk endangering ourselves or the people that we love or the people around us just because we want to carry the message? Well, listen, here, listen. If we as human beings aren't willing to say that all human beings have dignity, we're on the opposite side of this argument from Jesus himself. I did not get an amen. I got two head nods, but no amens right there. If we aren't for people, if we aren't for people, then I think there are times, if we're not careful, we could find ourselves on one side of the street and Jesus on the other side of that same street. If we aren't willing to open our eyes to the different systems and structures that demean and dehumanize people, if we aren't willing to see that and then react against it somehow, if we aren't willing to make our voices heard in opposition and in resistance to systems or forces that demean and dehumanize, then I think it's again possible that we might find ourselves on one side of the street and Jesus himself on the other side of the street. We must align ourselves with the heart and the eyes and the imagination of Christ himself. Anybody want to say amen to that one? But are we willing to suffer the consequences of being on message with Jesus? Or are we willing to adjust the message so that we stay in good graces with you fill in the blank? Apparently, apparently, being the messenger for God, answering the call of God, apparently there are times when that puts the messenger in harm's way. There are these several passages of Scripture in the book of Isaiah. Um, we call them the suffering servant passages or the, so the servant songs in Isaiah. And every one of these passages goes something like this. God, you have given me a message, and I promise I will faithfully retell and embody that message, though I recognize, though I understand that in the retelling and the embodying of that message, there will be a price to pay. And sure enough, the suffering servant suffers vicariously for other people, suffers because the servant insists on following and being faithful to God. I think Jesus knew these passages by heart. I think Jesus, in knowing these passages from Isaiah by heart, I think Jesus knew that being faithful to the message and the call of God would, in fact, at times, bring you into opposition with or bring you into face-to-face -face with the resistance to the call of God and to the dream of God, to the message of God. I think Jesus' life bears out that sometimes the bearer of really good news still pays a dear price. Are we willing to be the people of the good news even when the good news is interpreted or reinterpreted by some as bad news? The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. 
Morning by morning, he wakens, wakens my ear to listen as those who are taught. You know, we spent a lot of weeks, a little more than a year ago now, a lot of weeks talking about how important this issue of spiritual formation actually is. And and I want to say this to you again, though we're not quite ready to sign up for the year-long classes in Disciple next fall or Just Faith next fall. We have uh, seen fit to put a lot of other experiences and classes on the calendar because I, I believe this, you have no shot to be the faithful messenger without this spiritual formation thing happening in your mind and heart. Here's why. Resistance, resistance to the message of God exists, and this resistance will have this awful tendency to either make you stronger or change the message so that you're not really a problem. And spiritual formation keeps your ear, keeps your ear to the mouth of God. How many of us are so deeply committed to being that messenger, no matter the cost, that we spend some time on a regular basis listening for God and then listening to God? How many of you are busy? I just want to see your, okay, there's only, only one person is busy. How many of you have figured it out? How many of you have figured out that there must be some time in your day? You can't be so dominated by your calendar, no matter who's issuing that calendar. You can't be so dominated by that calendar that you don't have time to listen for God. Sometimes listening for God is simply a matter of time spent still and silent. Who has time for that? Only the ones who are going to be faithful messengers. Is this a devotional thing, John? Uh, yes, it is. I think, I think you must, I think I must take some time <laughs> to listen for God or else there will be no listening to God. This person sensed such great resistance that he understood that without this regular time listening for God and listening to God, he would not have had the capacity to be a faithful messenger for God. And you don't either. You don't have that capacity. I don't either. There are people in the room who want to still fly the flag of individual Christianity, though you don't do any of this that I'm talking about. Don't point at one another, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Skipping down to verse 6, here's some of the, the resistance that he faced. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. So I'm hoping this is a man. That's all right. Keep up, keep up. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. What in the world is going on? Well, we don't know for sure, but we can make educated guesses. Now, where this is in the book of Isaiah leads us to believe this about this suffering servant. It looks as if God has already said to a people in exile, it looks like God has already said, I am going to rescue you and bring you home. Here's the problem. That good news was not experienced as good news by a couple of different sets of people. Think about it like this. We are working very hard to have a say 
in the resistance movement where human trafficking is concerned. But as we announce good news that these people who are trapped in this bondage can be freed, as we announce that good news, it is not going to be experienced as good news by the people who are profiting by this trafficking. Everybody getting that? So way back when, here's just what was happening. God says, you do not have to be in slavery or in bondage or in exile anymore in Babylon. I'm going to rescue you and bring you back. Well, the Babylonian captors didn't receive this as great news. But it also looks like that the Jews who had gotten comfortable in captivity also resisted this good news. Oh, so how do you feel about your captivity? Are you more likely to fight any source of captivity or are you more likely to sort of mm, adjust so that it doesn't really feel like captivity and if it does, at least it feels normal? I'm going to say this better at the end of the sermon, but this is a place where I need to say this to you. Palm Sunday, the Liturgy of the Passion, Holy Week, what we will do this week, Thursday night, out in the atrium, you'll want to be here for that, 7 o'clock. And in here, when we black out everything, 8 o'clock for the Tenebrae service, what we're doing this week, we are not just remembering that Jesus suffered, we're also remembering how Jesus suffered because it tells us a little bit about how we will suffer if we're faithful. We're learning to suffer faithfully I didn't expect an amen there but it would have been nice so Jesus understanding himself to be in some sense the suffering servant these are the words spoken about Jesus here in Philippians chapter 2 in the kenosis passage which means self-emptying so this Jesus self-empties and listen to these words said about Jesus let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness and being found in human form he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. We miss the boat if we think that Holy Week and then Black Friday, our Black Friday, and then Easter Sunday is just about the transaction between somehow God and Jesus and the devil. We miss the boat if that's what we think it is. Because we're not just talking about that one price paid so long ago. We're talking about it, what it looks like when people follow faithfully the call of God. We're talking about what happens when, <laughs> when good news is interpreted as bad news. And this week... We're asking and exploring whether or not there's anything in you or in me that is anything like those people so long ago who were the recipients of good news and yet found a way because it seemed like the news was for somebody else or because our expectations were not met. Somehow we're able to switch the message. And instead of palm branches and cloaks and hosannas, disappointed and angry as we can get, 
are we anything like those folks who had the capacity to yell, crucify him later? A little bit of a spoiler alert. We are like that. You know how you can tell? You can tell because sometimes the words of Jesus hit us like a splash of cold water. Are you kidding me? Blessed are the poor. Okay, blessed are the poor in spirit. You might like that one better. You kind of spiritualize it a little bit. But it means largely the same thing. Blessed are those who mourn. What kind of kingdom is this? Blessed are the meek. When we, uh, when we baptize, you need to know that we understand it this way. In some sense, what we're also doing is deputizing. Think Barney Five, because some of you aren't old enough to know what I'm talking about, but some of you are. Just go with me. We are deputizing and initiating into what? Into the tradition of Jesus who understood himself in the tradition of the suffering servant. What we're saying to older adults, what we're saying to younger adults, and what we're saying to children, I guess I'm sorry, but this is what we're saying. To faithfully follow the call of God is to engender resistance in this world because we insist we insist that things can be good in this life. We insist that all of life belongs to God. We insist that there is no power or authority greater than this God. And when you say those things, you have a tendency to upset Caesar. But we insist. We insist. And so every time we baptize, whether it's your kid or my kid, every time we baptize, we deputize. And we initiate into this grand and glorious resistance movement. <laughs> we insist that there is no greater king. We also insist that there is no greater calling than following this king. I'm just not sure that we always tell our children that. Now we rehearse it. We rehearse it every time we take people into the pool. Every time that we baptize, we rehearse that message. But we do it also every time we receive the bread and the cup. Do you realize what we say about the bread and the cup every time, every time, every week in Word and Table, every other week or so with us? Here's what we say. These are symbols of suffering. It is the broken body and the shed blood meant to awaken you to the presence of a loving, suffering God, but also meant to encourage and shape and strengthen and nourish you to be faithful no matter the cost. Because that's how the world changes. I want to take issue with the favorite song. I'm sorry. 
I like the song for the most part. It's a neat song, and I, and I really enjoy the tune, and I like most of the lyrics. But this song, Jesus Paid It All, leaves us with the impression that there's no more to pay. That's not true. Jesus paid a very, very high price and suffered, yes, for us, on account of us. But the price that Jesus pays by virtue of being faithful is very similar to the price that I will pay and that you will pay and that we will pay by virtue of being faithful to that same God and that same message. Now do you know why we eat? We try to find some nourishment because (laughs) Jesus paid a lot and the call is for you to pay as well. call is for us as a body, the body of Christ. The call is for us to be shaped by that sacrifice and by that suffering to be people who ourselves can be broken and given. Welcome to Holy Week at OKC First where we will do both, we will remember the awesomely high cost paid by the Son of God. At the same time, we will understand that we are called to a very similar life trajectory. Are you still in? (laughs) It's not the kind of sermon that's great for attendance, actually. It's not, not great. But the call is out for those who would be nourished to participate in the movement that will insist, that continues to insist, that has insisted for a couple thousand years and beyond that. You are about to be nourished to be a part of that same resistant movement that insists out loud that there is no God greater than ours. And we will live and embody his best dreams, God's best dreams for all of life, no matter the cost? Hopefully so. If you're helping us with the table today, would you please come and take your spots? I wanna invite you again to this week's activities. There's so much more than activities. These are holy moments, sacred moments. We will not have Wednesday night activities here. We will not have Wednesday night activities here. But we will have a Thursday night service. It is that very awkward foot washing service, oh man. We will have it in the atrium. And then Friday night, the choir, Tamara and our technical staff, they've worked very hard to make sure that we have another one of those experiences on Friday night. We will black out the entire sanctuary. We won't start until 8 o'clock because it's darker at 8 o'clock. We won't start until 8 o'clock after an hour of hearing the story again, after an hour of hearing the music again. We will leave that night in utter darkness again, again, Another representation of the very, very high cost that Christ paid to be faithful.
Dear Heavenly Father, bless these elements, and as you do, use them, God, to nourish us, to be your people. God, help us to be aware now of all the times when it might very well engender some resistance. If we were to be those people who were to insist that you were the greatest God among all gods, give us just enough imagination to see what that might look like day in and day out. And then help us to understand this broken body and this shed blood. Help us to somehow take into ourselves these symbols of suffering. May they strengthen us. May they strengthen us to the point of suffering ourselves as we try as best we can to faithfully follow and respond to the call of God. It was on the night that our Lord was betrayed. He took bread blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Later on he would take the cup and he would hold it up before them and he would say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant shed for you. Every time you eat this bread and every time you drink of this cup, remember me. I try to give you something to think about As you come to the table, here's what I want you to think about today. You are coming to receive that which is meant to nourish you to be faithful. You're coming to receive symbols of suffering that might, in fact, strengthen you to suffer for the right reasons. As you come up, Please come with your hands cupped and ready. You don't have to grab this. This is all free. This will be placed into your hands like a gift. As you come up to the person with the bread, here's what you'll hear. The body of Christ broken for you. Then a piece of bread will be pressed into your hands. Immediately take that bread and dip it into the cup, the person standing right next door. When you do, that person will say, the blood of Christ shed for you. And at that point, just take and eat right then and there. After that, you have a decision to make. It's not whether or not you will pray. I hope you will pray. All over the sanctuary, I hope you'll pray. Your decision is where you will pray. (laughs) You can always circle right back around and go back to your pews because that's a perfectly good place to pray. If you need a prayer for healing, if you will go either to that padded altar or this padded altar, someone will meet you there to pray specifically for your healing of something physical, relational, emotional, mental. Or you can find a space to pray here at this altar. And here's what you'll find. If you come and you pray at one of these altars, you will find that you will not pray alone. Somebody at some point during the prayer will touch you to help you to understand that you are not alone as you pray these prayers. So Heavenly Father, move us to prayer now. Move us to a place of prayer now. In fact, God, connect our time of prayer with the receiving of these important symbols of your suffering. Open our eyes to your presence in this place. Open our eyes to our own lives. May we see places where we can, in fact, stand 
up and deliver the good news even if it's interpreted as bad news. And help us to know, God, if there is anything at all, anything at all in us that is anything like those who shouted Hosanna on one day and crucify him on another day in the same week. And give us the grace and the courage to confess and draw closer to you. All across the sanctuary now, I want to invite you to stand. You will exit your pew to the left and then come forward, receive, and then circle right back around to your section. Yeah.
served if somewhere in the sanctuary if you have not yet been served if you'll let us know make sure that Jason gets to you soon I want us to get better and better at this surrounding and prayer thing if you would if you see somebody here that you could surround and again remind with a touch that God is in fact near and faithful with you please make your way to the front to surround these people in prayer. Again, we're not going to be here long now. Sometimes that makes all the difference in the world. So we'll wait for a moment as folks make their way toward the front. Welcome to take any posture of prayer that you'd like. Kneel where you are. Stand where you are. You can certainly pray while seated as well. Dear Heavenly Father, we confess to you today that there are times when we would We would just like to avoid any and all suffering. Some, some of us, there are some in the room who are just tired. Father, I pray for those who are bone weary, 
feels like suffering's been a part of their story for so many chapters now. Pray for those who are so weary. Would you give them just enough space now to take a deep breath? To take a deep breath and to breathe in your life and presence, your spirit as we understand it. Having taken that deep breath, God, would you give them now this time to listen for you? In a few moments of silence now, we're going to dedicate this time and this space that you might listen for God. Listening for God quickly can become listening to God. What is God saying to you about faithfulness, faithful resistance, suffering? you to pray this prayer and not just for yourself but for all those who live with or near you God how might I how might we more faithfully follow how might we more faithfully message the kingdom you now to pray this most awful of prayers. God, is there anything in me that is anything at all like those who had the capacity to scream Hosanna on one day and scream crucify him later that same week? Father, if there is anything like that in me, if there is anything like that in us, then God, give us the grace and the courage to confess it and not just this one time, but often enough that we can finally sense you're drawing us closer and wrapping your arms around whatever it is that resists you 
overpowering it. God, may Holy Week this year be memorable. For the rest of our lives, may we remember Holy Week 2014 because it was there that we recognized that we did have something in common with those so long ago. But it was also during that same week that we recognized that you still have the capacity to overpower all of that within me that would resist you. That by your grace, you continue to seek me and call me and seek us and call us. Holy Week 2014, may we remember it forever as the week that finally made more sense. May we remember it as the week that we more firmly joined the movement. God, we pause now to pray for those who are sick or hurt around us. If you would right now, if you know someone sick or hurt, would you, as specifically as you know how, would you pray that God would heal? you pray right now for our Holy Week services, Thursday, Friday, Sunday morning. Would you pray that God would be incredibly evident? <laughs> we'll close our time to, together with the Lord's Prayer, we do it every week. And I say this nearly every week, so hear it again. I'm hoping that we will pray this prayer until we mean it. So be aware of the words, be cognizant of what it is that you're praying and know that God slowly but surely is taking ground in your mind and heart in the hopes that you will actually someday not just pray it, but fully embody this prayer that Christ taught his disciples to pray. We will pray it today using debts and debtors. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Like us on Facebook at Oklahoma City First Church of the Nazarene. Or follow us on Twitter at OKC First Church.